starting off, we've got the legendary in the the squadrons community here. We've got Avenger One on the podcast. Could you give us a little bit of background on yourself? Welcome. 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 Welcome to Uplink. Legendary, eh? Legendary. <laughs> I've reached legend status in two months. Um, <laughs> background on myself. Well, um, oh boy. Uh, I don't like talking about myself that much because uh, I guess, you know, sometimes it feels a bit like an ego trip, but I guess I'll kind of talk about in this sense where I come from in the gaming sense, right? Um, I came from a game called EVE Online uh, many, many, many years ago, right? For some of the people out there who've played EVE Online, there's a pretty, I guess you could say famous trailer uh, that they threw me in because uh, I was pretty energetic and excited about playing that game, to to put it bluntly, right? Uh, The trailer was called This Is EVE, um, and I used to run a group called Bombers Bar way back in the day. Uh, and that took me like seven years of, of my life to play that game. And I enjoyed, honestly, I enjoyed every, every minute of it. Uh, I then went from there to a game called Star Citizen, uh, okay. where I became a, one of the most prominent dogfighters uh, in the game for almost four years. Wow. Uh, I, led, I led a group. Yeah, I went by the handle called Templar One. Uh, it was a different different time you know i was a younger guy i had a lot of energy and uh it was one of the first like star citizen was one of those first six degrees of freedom space combat fighter games right where you needed to control your thrust your pitch your yaw your roll and your lateral axis including your strafes up down left and right so you needed um pedals and two joysticks to control (laughs) Right, to control the ship. Now, some guys in that community went as far as using track IR to gimbal their weapons while they were flying. So, you know, Star Citizen has many things right and wrong with it. But when I was playing it uh, as a competitive dogfighter, uh, I made quite a name for myself in that. And then from there, I decided to leave. Kind of meandered around, played games like Daisy and like, you know, like everybody else, you know, all the other standard titles uh and then i heard rumors that there was this x-wing versus tie fighter game that there was this something coming out of the woodwork you know and uh my buddy my buddy texts me he's like hey you heard this thing called maverick i'm like what's maverick and he's like it's this new star wars game i'm like i'm like oh, okay well who makes it ea i'm like oh okay <laughs> okay right um but then I was like, okay, wait a minute. Let's think about this, right? Like, you know, I had started playing Battlefront 2 at the time and I hadn't touched Battlefront 2 because of all the um, drama and issues with the game for many years. But time kept marching on, you know, like everything does. And the game seemed to really be picking itself up. The Clone Wars was introduced. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got rid of microtransactions and, you know, Star Wars um, uh, Jedi Fallen Order had come out. And boy, was that a good game, right? Oh, yeah. So um, good. Right. I wasn't personally that big into it because I'm not a huge single-player kind of game guy. And I wasn't a big fan of Dark Souls. But I really I really liked that they had come up with a game that was a single-player story-focused game around a character, around, you know, and, and, and the story was good. You know, like I, I did go to YouTube and I kind of watched the six-and-a-half-hour kind of condensed, you know, story version of the game to kind of see, yeah. like, what it was all about. Uh, I did the same thing for, like, games like God of War because I don't have a PlayStation. I have uh, a, a computer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then that eventually led me to Squadrons because uh, as soon as I heard rumors about a game like even that was, like, kind of like X-Men versus TIE Fighter, 
you know, I, I couldn't sleep that night. I was like, I can't believe this. You know what I mean? Like, this oh, is yeah. really happening. Right? So that, I guess he kind of brings this, you know, that's where I came from and eventually it has led me here. Growing up, I would always love the, like, Rogue Squadron games. Those were my jam. And then going into Battlefront 2015, loved Starfighter Assault. Going into Battlefront 2, really enjoyed that as well. And where your name started hopping up was when the Creator Clash, when... <laughs> people would get paired up against you and we'd have to like (laughs) Like, who is this guy (laughs) i don't i don't think i ever got paired up against you but i know rogue got paired up against you and lore star for sure and (laughs) demolished them we've got this new game coming out where we've got the the star wars squadrons is one of like the biggest separations from what you'd expect EA to do like it's not a super broad large game it's very specific niche based what were your thoughts when uh, squadrons came out my gut feeling I think was kind of set in stone before it had even come out right Uh, and the reason I say that is because I had been hearing rumors that you know the game was going to be like TIE Fighter you know X-Men versus TIE Fighter it was going to be like those old kind of you know only in the cockpit you know, you are the pilot, you know, and for me, it, it was like, oh, they've got it. They've got it because they've got the foundation so strong, right? Mm-hmm. When the game like came out day one, it was just a confirmation of what I had already been like, oh, absolutely. This is, you know, this is what I've been waiting for. I feel like my whole life, you know what I mean? Like I've been a Star Wars fan, you know, like I think everybody who probably listens to the podcast and, and yourself as well. You know, when I was young, I, I used to watch on the VHS tapes, you know, oh, over yeah. and over and over and over again, right? Like, you know, we all can quote the movie in, in 10 ways, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, I, you know, like the X-Wings and, and the TIE Fighters. But as I got older and uh, as I served in the military uh, and after my tour in Afghanistan, I, I started to like the Empire. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it was more like as a joke, as a meme, kind of like, oh, the umpire, right? But, you know, in, in times in Afghanistan, you know, guys would paint little, uh, you know, they'd have, uh, like, some guys would take stencils and they'd paint the imperial symbol on the side of the trucks or they'd paint uh, the decepticon symbols on the, the side of the trucks and stuff like that and then i got older and you know and, and it's just you know, the empire seems so proper and prim and disciplined and i was just like oh, i like the aesthetic and i like the ships and you know sometimes <laughs> it's fun to pretend to be the bad guy you know what I mean? so you know, uh, and I really, really, really liked playing X-Men versus TIE Fighter, um, mm-hmm. you know, way, way back in those days, right? So when they opened the gates, you know, uh, you know, I was like that guy who's like waiting for episode seven to come out with his sleeping bag. You know, he's there a day early, like I'm just, you know, I'm ready, right? <laughs> you know, I couldn't, I couldn't wait, but yeah, my gut was, was it was going to be incredible and uh I just knew it from the start. And especially when those gameplay videos started coming out and X Eckhart's ladder started blowing up because uh, Mm -hmm. he starts covering a lot of uh, squadrons content. Everybody's paying attention. Everyone's like, is this game going to be a flop? Like, is this game going to be good or is it going to be another battlefront two? Right. And I think resoundingly it's not battlefront two. It's the farthest thing from it. You know, so you got to give credit where credit's due, right? Like Mm -hmm. people can bash on electronic arts, right? And, you know, for good reason, right? But people, I think, sometimes forget that there's people like Ian Frazier and other folks out there that are working a job 
and have to feed their family. So they, they don't have the overarching decision to say, hey, we're not going to do microtransactions or, or this, that, and the other. They just get told, hey, this is the parameters that you have to make the game in. And they might even bring it up and say, guys, come on, like, let's be honest here. Like, this isn't going to work. And they say, no, nah, it's it's our business model. Like, deal with it. Yeah. Right? So, but yeah, man, my, my gut was was going to be fantastic and, and, it, and it paid off for sure. That's why I'm so overwhelmingly positive and excited about this game because i feel again on the fundamental foundational level this game uh is a true successor in my opinion to x versus tie fighter series definitely and like like you're saying this is one of those games that it's completely different from what battlefront 2 did and that's a really good thing we've got battlefront 2 which they they launched a really robust starfighter game in battlefront 2 really really well done but they didn't support it and i was afraid of that was going to be the case for squadrons but we've seen them continue that support and we'll be going over this in a bit uh the new content that's coming out the private matches and the support for esports going forward like we've got a whole world of opportunities available to us now and while it does have some of the same um family traits of something like battlefront it has its own feel and it accomplishes something completely different than Battlefront did. Well, I think also Battlefront by design is not designed to be a deep dive into Starfighter combat. Right? Yeah, definitely. You know, and uh, and and for what it is, I think Starfighter Assault did a great job. You know what I mean for for the design of what it was, right? Mm-hmm. But. Uh, you know, I think there was that there was that desire, that fire, that people were like, "Give us the, you know, give us the, give us the in-depth version of this fantasy." Don't, you know, we we got it here, but it, we want more. You know, we want to see where this goes, right? And I think that's, I think that's maybe what's changing a lot about the industry in general right now, or at least it seems to be the case where I think people are still interested in the overall kind of game that does everything, but. You know, when you have games like Squadrons, right, where it's like, hey, we're just going to focus on, like, the space combat, you know, fighter pilot fantasy. Or, you know, maybe they might consider making a game like For Honor, but more for the Jedi versus the Sith, more kind of like a melee. Right. You know, I think there's a real desire for that kind of, you know, focused, intentional, like, games. You know, like niche games. You know what I mean? More niche games instead of one overarching game. Yeah. Do one thing really well than trying to do everything yes 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 i agree absolutely so now let's go into some of the today as we're recording this is the launch of the new the first wave of new content for squadrons we got the map foster havens which was the the introductory map for the campaign and have you have you gotten to play with it any bit? I have. We did a we did a few dogfights on the new map, and uh, I was I was excited. Um, it, I mean, first of all, it's a gorgeous looking map. It's mm-hmm. a beautiful backdrop against this blazing, you know, big red giant sun. Uh, and for all my uh, you know astrophysics nerds out there, you know, we can clearly tell it's a red giant. Uh, at least my gut says. But it's <laughs> it's this you know in reality you'd never be able to be that close to red giant. It would, it would burn you up, right? But it's nice to look at. But the the giant like rock face, and then there's this you know this kind of sh- shanty town almost, you know, in the middle of the galaxy. I think it's just gorgeous, 
Uh, and the fact that we can fly around it and shoot each other down is just like, you know, <laughs> it's just perfect. You know what I mean? There's really yeah. nowhere else to put it. <laughs> what are your thoughts of uh, the way it affects gameplay? Well, I think it's not too much different from what we currently have anyway, right? Uh, we have places like, uh, you know, the Xavian Abyss, mm-hmm. right, which really force you into a funnel. Uh, you've got Yavin, which is basically, you know, essentially an atmospheric map because it has a level plane, quote unquote, the you know, the, the red gas and, yeah. and uh, nothing else around it. Right. So each map, I think, adds something interesting to the game. And I think this map is really no different in that sense where it's like, here's your, you know, here's your game, you know, game environment to play in. There are places that you can dip and dodge and try to lose your tailor or to uh, or to kind of string yourself out or, or you know give yourself more time if you've got stuff you know stuff to fly behind but I think mostly it's just gorgeous like it's mm-hmm. just visually it's very appealing a few times some of the guys in my squadron had to I had to tell you like hey pay attention they're just like I'm looking at the rocks <laughs> <laughs> just, <you know. laughs> that's amazing uh, continuing on uh, some of the stuff that got added um, so this is just the little preview. It says the following bug fixes, changes, and addition uh, come in update 3.0. Bolded are some highlights we think the community will be most interested in. For full details on the new content added and what's coming next, check out the pilot briefing on our holiday supply drops. I am so, so happy that they are continuing the support of this game. Like, thank you, Motive, for seeing seeing the want. I'm so pumped for the B-Wing coming up. That's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to see people's minds explode from the gyro stabilization. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about the updating thing for a second because that's I'm very interested in, in, in the future of this game. They have said very clearly that they have no plans. That doesn't mean that they're saying we're not going to support it. Mm-hmm. They're saying, I think, I think, here's what my gut tells me. My gut says... Uh, this was a passion project from a, a select few of individuals that said, look, we love Star Wars and we miss these old games like X vs. TIE Fighter. Let us build a prototype and then pitch it and say, we can do this because, you know, again, if you have a good, if you have goodwill and, and, and your fans are happy, they will buy your products, right? Yep. Any good business knows that in order to sustain yourself long-term, you need to please your fan base right Mm -hmm. so if you've got to make a few games that are kind of quote-unquote low budget but everybody loves them then make a few games (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i think again with the success of like jedi fallen order where you know the industry a few years ago was saying oh the world doesn't want single player games and then god of war comes out you know cyberpunk's coming out you know like all these incredible titles come out and they just clean house you know what yeah. I mean? and 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 the budget gets blown up they make a lot of money and it's good because everyone gets paid everyone's happy everyone gets mm-hmm. what they want that's that's the, in a perfect world i don't think people have any right i don't think anybody really has a problem giving up their money if the product is worth it you know what i mean so yep. i think it's in a weird kind of way i think the product that they have currently given us is almost too good and we're looking for ways to get them more money <laughs> like you know, you know what i mean where it's like oh my god we would love I would love nothing more than to wake up and to have an official post to say like we're planning on one year of content for squadrons and then we'll see where it goes from there. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And if they can, you know, sell X amount of copies or whatever, or we're gonna add, you know, skins or whatever, then we'll add more content. We'll add more ships, we'll add more maps, we'll do whatever, right? And the and the beautiful part about this game is I don't think it's gonna require a lot of a lot of people and a lot of budget to like really improve on the game slash 
add to it. You know what I mean? I don't think it's going to require a team of hundreds of people. I think it's going to require like 20, 30 people, you know, a bunch of artists and some programmers and just to chip away at it, you know, and add, you know, like the tie defender and the beaming, you know, every five or six months they've added two more ships or they've added, you know, another map or they've added, you know, all that stuff. And if the community is healthy, like how it's starting to grow now and people are starting to pay attention and competitions are starting to spring up and, you know, people eyes are going to the game, then I, I think it's very, very, very likely that EA will have a good enough excuse to say, all right, fine. We'll 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 spend if you know if you if we sell another hundred thousand copies, then we'll get you know, we'll get you'll get you another ship or whatever. You yeah. Know what I mean? So I believe it was announced that they projected around three million copies for that. And I think with that projection they were like, yeah. Um, no, this this isn't a live service. We we aren't planning on bringing more content. And then we they they saw how well the community liked the game, and we're like, hey, let let's do some stuff for the community. So I definitely think with the success that Squadrons has had so far, obviously we don't know the financials quite clearly, but um, it's it's pretty clear that it did at least somewhat well for them to be like, okay. We're going to put some work in here to bring two new ships. That map that was in the campaign, we're going to bring that over and optimize it for fleet battles and dogfights. So I definitely see them being like, hey, we've got community support here. And if that community support continues, which I, th- I have a good feeling that it will with the support of Operation Ace and Star Wars Legions and all of the awesome esports events coming up. Uh, the addition of private matches is going to change the landscape of things. And I am so pumped to see that. And like you said, this I would love, love, love to wake up one morning and be like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> one year of content. It'd be like the reverse of Battlefront because Battlefront pitched a uh, continuing service. Um, mm-hmm. And this one launches like not a continuing service. It'd just be a good flip of the coin. I agree. I But I think... I think somebody somewhere, you know, realized like, you know, if, if you cater a lot of goodwill with your community, it's going to really pay off in the end. I think the vanguard to that business strategy, I think it are companies like CD Projekt Red that take a lot of time and care and effort into what they decide to publicly post. I think they take a lot of time and effort into the product they produce. Mm-hmm. And so it, it comes out and it's like, it's like fine wine. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. you know, people <laughs> still like the Witcher is still on the top selling games, like, you know, month to month to month. And it's been out for, I think five years now. Yep. 2015, you know? I believe is when it came right. out. <laughs> you know, it like it, it, it just shovels money in every day. You know what I mean? And it's like, and it's a masterpiece, right? Now, multiplayer games are a little different because the multiplayer games have almost like a finite lifespan, you know, where it's like, yeah. Um, so there's only so much. Uh, it's like a five to ten year lifespan. Five years is usually the, the standard, and then ten for the more. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's starting to get crowds, longer right? and longer now. Like stuff like um, right. Rainbow Six because, Siege, when it came yes. out, there was no platform for continuing But that's game. a business model change. Yeah. That's a business model change, though. You know what I mean? And, and we've all seen that because of games like Dota, Dota 2, LOL, like all these other big like MOBA-type games where they're like, look, we're going to make essentially you know online soccer in, in a different format, like a, a sport, and we're going to keep shoveling content in and in and in, in, right? Mm-hmm. And... You know, if you keep breathing life into the game, the community will keep playing it. They'll keep coming back. They'll keep enjoying it. And, you know, you've got recurring revenue. You know what I mean? And that yeah. way, 
like you, you do the initial push to get it all out the door and then you, you know, you task all your other members to go do another project and you bring it down to a small staff and you just maintain it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then it maintains and the money you bring in is more than the money you take to maintain it. And it's just, a, it's just, you know, and so that every quarter yeah. you, you look at your budget and you're like, oh, you know, Rainbow Six has made us X amount of you know money per month. And it's like, it's always a benefit to us. So it's good to just, you know, slowly trickle in content and then just make sure that there's some kind of community going on. Right. And, Definitely, uh, and I think that's that's where Battlefront Two really failed. They they had the microtransactions in a way to support the game. They took that out, and they never really because of the the backlash. They never put in a way to continue support. They had the Celebration Edition, which was a good push that brought a lot of people on, added it to Steam, added it to PlayStation Plus. So there was a lot of people in the community, but there was no way to continue get to get money from them because of the loot box controversy like if it if it was set up in a way where you had to pay for customizations and not actual star cards i think that would have been really successful but as you can see in like apex legends where it's a free game and they support it by cosmetics and battle passes like it's a clear model that we're seeing put forward in gaming which is super cool to see because games i think at this point are a game that was released five years ago is hard. It's hard to tell quality-wise at the difference between a game sent out five years ago or now. Like games are becoming so beautiful and graphically intensive, and you know, like Call of Duty, for example, right? Like ten years ago, you could see a difference. Like it's clearly a ten-year-old Call of Duty, but five years ago, it still looks really sharp, right? Mm-hmm. So at this point, people aren't like it used to be. You bought a game. And then a year later, it it would look so different, like from from the first game to the second game, because technology had pushed it farther, and there's just so many more pixels, and the game looks so much better. It's just like, oh my god, how can you not get it, right? Yeah. But it's getting to the point now where the games look pretty no matter what. So really, it's down to the content, and I think what businesses are finally starting to come around to is like. Why are we making new products every year, every year, when we can just make one good product and support it and then just keep the community in it and and make money, right? That's why the whole gaming is a service thing. But the execution for gaming as a service was done poorly and mm-hmm. it left a really bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, right? Because people got greedy, right? People yeah. liked seeing a game that sold 100 million units or something ridiculous you know they, they oh we sold 20 million units or something crazy and they're like oh man great but you know again years down the road like nobody's playing it and there's nothing going on but if you support a game it sells a million copies and then next year it sells a hundred thousand and then two hundred thousand and then another hundred thousand and then every month it's selling fifty thousand more by the time you come back you've now spent you know a third of how how much it would cost to build, let's say, five Call of Duty full titles in a row. You got to pay all those people to do that, right? Or just make one game and have a smaller staff keep it updated and support it, and it just recurringly makes that money. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, games like Destiny tried this model. A lot of big companies tried this model, but they forgot. They got greedy. They forgot. Oh wait, if I change the game itself, people don't like sitting down getting into a game and feeling like they're at a disadvantage that nobody likes that feeling. Right. And that's what ultimately I think murdered battlefront two and other games like, you know, destiny, maybe not destiny at this point, but you know, other large titles that, you know, you, you know, spend $10 and get the extra jump 
distance. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Yep. The the gaming landscape is changing very rapidly. And that was a concern that we had when Squadrons launched is like, how is a game like they said it many times, we're trying to make a game like a game came out in the nineties and it's like, is that gonna work financially? Is it going to work as a community? And we saw a, a drop off in players start in squadrons as we as we got into this. We're in the second month now, so we're seeing that level out of players in the the community. And I think we're going to see another surge with this update. We're seeing another surge in December when we get private matches. Um, like that, that's how the cadence usually works in a, a multiplayer game in 2020 and onwards. I think the biggest player-based jump has yet to happen. And I think that biggest player-based jump is going to happen in a year. And So hear me out. So Squadrons is a hard game. It's a beautiful game and it's Star Wars. So that mm-hmm. gets people in the door. The single-player campaign is short enough that you enjoy it, but you're left kind of wanting a little more. But then again, the game's a discount game and it's not really meant to be a single player experience in my opinion it's it's truly meant to be consumed in the player versus player kind of sports like atmosphere where you yeah. know you come home and you you like oh I'm uh, instead of going out with the with the guys or the girls and playing a, a you know a game of beer league hockey I'm Canadian so I use that reference but you know <laughs> <laughs> uh you know instead we sit down and <laughs> you know what I mean hey guy so then we you know, it's it, we sit down and we play games on the computer instead of doing other stuff. That's you know, I think a common thing for most people, our generation or younger, right? And it's going to be increasingly, especially with virtual reality and stuff. It's just you know, it's a whole nother animal, right? But I think a lot of people were worried at the beginning. They're like, "Is this game good? Should I even buy it? Like, what's going on here?" Because of all the issues, like we talked about with Battlefront Two and some other issues, and so most people are kind of on the fence. And the ones that were very, obviously there's the quote unquote early adopters, right? You can see any marketing strategy. There's always the early adopters, right? I think all the early adopters are in. Those are people like me. Mm-hmm. And now, now it's where it matters, right? If the game can put a little content in, if the community is positive and supports each other and teaches each other how to play so that the learning skill gap isn't so gargantuously large for new players, they just stare at the bottom of the cliff and they're like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want me to you want me to <laughs> retro drift around and do an inverted like power shunt? I don't what? even know the you words know you're I mean? saying right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? And those are all things you can do, but yeah. <laughs> but it's just like, you know, it's it's the same issue that Eve Online had where Again, right? It's an incredible experience, but it really takes someone to kind of hold you by the hand and be like, "All right, don't get scared." But here's how it here's how it works, right? Yeah. And uh, and you know and but that's the truth, right? Um, and the game will never be as large scale as games like Battlefront Two or anything like that. But because it's niche and because it's so gosh darn good at its core, the 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 player base and the fan base that does play it will play it for a long time and Mm -hmm. will support it right now i will buy skins absolutely because i love the game so much and i will always tell my friends guys you got to play the game at least buy it and play it like for like 10 hours like something Mm -hmm. you know give it a shot for god's sake it's 17 bucks (laughs) like come on man really Mm -hmm. so you know you know it's to me the largest player base is yet to jump in and that is a player base that is slowly accumulated through time and positivity and people talking about the game being like, guys, you got to play this, man. This game is good. Like you're merely missing out here. That's how you, you know, like 
me telling you or you telling me like, hey man, I played this game, you gotta try it. It has so much more weight than going to YouTube and clicking on a trailer and being like, what the... Because we just get bombarded in mm-hmm. today's world with just constant marketing. And most of the time you look at it, you're like, I don't care. Like, just whatever. You know what I mean? But when my buddy sits down and says, bro, you played The Witcher? And I go, yeah. He says, guys, cyberpunk. And I go, what? And he's like, dude, cyberpunk, right? And I'm like cool like what, what what are you talking about he's like no no no. you played the witcher you're gonna play cyberpunk and we have this big conversation about the game and then it's like you know what i'll play it because i trust my buddy not because i trust some marketer behind a television screen you know what i mean yeah so that's what's gonna sell the game and the, you do that by creating the small group of people and keeping them happy and 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 giving content to the people who are playing it so that they turn around and go guys Y'all missing out here, man. We're having a lot of fun, and you're not part of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Now, going in and talking about about that that skull gap there. Do you have any any tips and tricks that you would recommend? We're going into the holiday season. People are. I, I definitely think people are going to be uh, picking up this game for holiday season. What are some of the the tips and tricks that you give starting players as they jump into this world of uh, squadrons? So. I commonly have this question when I'm streaming. A lot of times uh, folks will come in and they'll be like, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll kick the door and like Kramer and Seinfeld. They'll be like, all right, how do I play this game? You know what I mean? They're just like, all right, well, what do I do? Right? And it's like, you know, I get it, right? Um, there are a million ways to answer that question. But in my opinion, it really does come down to one honest to God way. And that's just get your butt in the cockpit and mm-hmm. start flying. Right, because you can sit there and trolling Reddit all day, and you can. You, I've read the posts, right, where it's like, oh, the bomber's overpowered, and and I'm 23 and 0 in dogfight against the team of all bombers, and I'm just like, oh, okay, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, and I've got to record it, I can show it around, but it's like, you know, you can only l- sit there and consume so much uh, wrong information before you just have to be responsible yourself and go like, I'm just gonna get in there and, and make my own judgment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's all attitude, right? Now, the unfortunate part is some folks won't have the attitude. They'll get in, they'll get their butt kicked, and they'll be like, screw this, I'm out. There will always be a group of people that will do that, right? Yeah. Um, but that's why, it's, that's why it's so important for the community to when new players do get, um, how, how should I say this, um, yeeted by the Empire. Uh, <laughs> you know, they, they they have a community that says, bro, I totally feel you. Here's where you went wrong. Here's how you're going to be a better pilot. And then, you mm-hmm. know, a couple of days later, they're they're retro drifting and they're getting kills. And they're like, oh, my God. And they start really they start really becoming a pilot. You know what I mean? They yeah. really start feeling what these because it's it, the beautiful thing about this game again, talking about the fundamental, like just what they got right is that you fly the TIE fighter. It flies different than the interceptor. You fly the TIE bomber or the TIE reaper. It's a completely different animal. You know what I mean? And it's not yeah. even like overarching large changes. Like the pitch axis on the, on the TIE fighter is slightly less than the TIE interceptor in certain builds. You know, the, the yaw uh, sluggishness on the TIE bomber uh, is very noticeable compared to the Wiling, which is more responsive, but slower. So it's less top speed. Like these little things you don't notice as much as you're a rookie. And then mm-hmm. as you become an intermediate into an, eventually an expert pilot, you really see and feel the difference because, you know, once you start 
operating at that high level, you can the, the, the small differences between the ships become magnified a hundred times, right? And Definitely. the only way you do that is by getting in the cockpit and getting shot down or shooting people down, right? So that's <laughs> if any suggestion, right? It's just get in the cockpit and start playing, right? 100%. Would you recommend jumping in dogfights versus fleet battles or fleet battles versus dogfights? Which would you recommend someone to jump into right off the bat? So here's what I did, and I don't recommend this. <laughs> and, <laughs> I recommend that you play the single-player campaign in its entirety at at least pilot level, uh, not mm-hmm. at ace, just at pilot. I don't care how good of a pilot you are because the NPCs don't respond the same way that players do. So mm-hmm. just just get the experience and get your controls and understand what the HUD elements do and function like before you jump into PvP, right? Now, because I spent four and a half years as essentially a professional dogfighter for Star Citizen, and that game's skill ceiling at the time was the highest I've ever seen in any game yeah. I've, I've ever seen. It's, it's, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. It's changed a lot since then, but at the time, you know, there was really nothing else like it, right? And it was six degrees of freedom. So I felt coming in the door, I had a good handle on space combat. I didn't feel like I needed to play some silly single-player campaign. I wanted to go in there and shoot people down. (laughs) That's exactly (laughs) what I did, right? Uh, I'd say for people who have experience with games like Elite Dangerous or DCS World and anything like that, you know, if they want to jump into PvP right away like I did, I mean, fill your boots, right? Um, You know, essentially, you're going to learn by firehose technique, right? You're going to stand there in the match and you're going to get blasted with a 65 mil line and you're going to be sitting there like, what just happened? But, you know, you'll get the information eventually, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Single player is a much more enjoyable way. So for new folks coming in, it's a more enjoyable experience because it kind of takes you by the hand and walks you through. But it does not teach you how to fight players. And that's what I want to emphasize. It's like it will not teach you how to fight players because people fly fundamentally different than the NPCs, right? They they drift. They do the dead drifting, retro drifting. They do jousting runs. Like, you know, they're pulling you into turn fights to get nose authority. Like it's different when the NPC basically does nothing but uh, fly around. What's it called? (laughs) Well, they essentially, yeah, they essentially do zoom and boom at low speeds. That's what they do. Yeah. So, <laughs> for for new players, could you uh, define some of those words that you're you're using just then? Dead drifting, retro drifting, uh, are types of movements that your yeah, your fighter can perform. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a video on YouTube called the Art of the Art of Flight Combat Instructional Series, and episode one is all about drifting. Right. And I plan on making many more. Uh, basic level tutorial videos so that after the first five episodes, you have, how do I say this? The fundamentals, right? So you've been taught, okay, what's drifting? Okay, well, what's flight mechanics? Like, what do you mean by my, by my pitch and roll and how they have different turn rates and how does that affect my mm-hmm. gameplay and why does that why does that matter right like I only, what's know, sushi, shot- I only know sushi rolls what's you talking about right? you know what I mean like what's a new barrel you know what I mean like you know <laughs> watching Star Fox right like it's you know basic flight mechanics how do guns work what's fall off like what's a shot lead angle mm-hmm. what's predictionary flight versus reactionary flight you know like these simple techniques that we take for granted in the kind of piloting community and for people kind of walking in the door, that's the skill gap. That's the the cliff, right? But standing on top of the cliff looking down, you don't notice how high it is until you're back down there, right? Uh, but once you've learned it, you don't really 
need to climb that cliff again. You've learned it. You know what I mean? Then you can start yeah. developing your skill, right? There are so many different terms and there's so many different strategies to, to go into even a third of them would, would take hours, right? So I'll, I'll just explain one very simple maneuver called the dead drift, right? Like when say when people say, oh, what's the dead drift? You're essentially uncoupling your, your movement vector, right? So to put it in layman's terms, you know, the direction your spaceshipy is moving, right? The nose of your ship is going to independently move against that so if anybody's seen battlestar galactica there's a scene where the vipers are facing towards the target they're shooting at but they're they're moving laterally across the surface of the ship because in space there's no resistance right so mm-hmm. introducing a dead drift and start in, in in squadrons is squadrons kind of rise the line between space combat and more atmospheric dogfighting which is what the game is designed for uh is where you build up your boost power you you go into a boost you then turn on drift essentially so that your ship can't actually change its movement. So it's just flying straight, right? If it's flying towards the Star Destroyer, it's going to keep flying and sailing towards that direction because the object in motion stays in motion, right? Yeah. But the nose can now independently move anywhere it wants to go, right? So what you can do is you can set your angle or set your lead angle, right? Or your glide angle. Set your glide angle, engage your boost, start to drift. And then shoot the side of a capital ship as you strafe it. And then once you've done your drift, you can engage back your boost engines and, and off you go, right? Mm-hmm. So maneuvers like that are alien to a lot of players because they wouldn't, A, think of that even to be a maneuver. And two, they wouldn't really understand how to execute because they're, you have to switch power to your guns before you engage and you have to have power built up in your engines, right? So these basic level strategies and movement patterns... Um, need to be explained to new people so that they don't jump into the game and just get, you know, lol raffle stomps and be like, you know, they've got to they've got to know why they lost, you know, right? yeah. and, and that's up to us as a community. We have to teach those people because you cannot expect people to have that knowledge already or um, have the connections. Uh, that some of us, you know, in the in the Ace Pilot community even have because they might come home, they have kids, they got stuff to do, mm-hmm. they sit down, they just want to play a game and have fun. And let's say they play DCS World for ten years and they're like, "Oh, I'm a good pilot." And then they get in, and, and some A <laughs> wing guy called Avenger One just poops on them, and they're like, "What the hell is going on? Like, what do you mean he's shooting at me while still like what? Like, mm-hmm. definitely." And on on that topic, how have you? So we've we've. Squadrons came out October second. We've had it for over a month now, almost two. What What are your thoughts around the community that's built up around the game so far? At this point, I'd say it's probably one of the best communities I've ever seen. Uh, now I can't tell whether that's because there's just so much energy and hype for it, uh, or <laughs> quite possibly because the communities that I have been part of have just been extremely toxic um you know uh eve online is a very interesting experience um it definitely it definitely revels itself on how much you can screw over your buddy i mean there's articles on the news sites about you know people betraying each other for thousands of dollars worth of spaceships and you know it's a it's a different world that's for sure um there's definitely some strong emotions (laughs) You know, uh, and then of course with Star Citizen too, right? Uh, that people have very polarizing, strong opinions about the game, uh, like I do as well. So, it was a very welcome and nice change to come into a game where 
the community was largely surprised and excited and hopeful, mm-hmm. right? Um, hopeful is the best word I'd say where people are full of energy. They're excited to play the game. They love what they, they, they like. They enjoy what they have. They really enjoy what the game is at the current time. But everybody's like, oh, please, please, please let this not go you know, unnoticed, like, you know, please send by notice me, like, please put more content <laughs> in, like, you know, like, we really would love to see that, right? And um, it's nice to be around those people. It really is. Like, you know, I really don't have anything negative to say about the community, because we're doing a great job putting our foot forward uh, and trying the best we can. And like I said on the stream many, many times, I say, guys, look, it's 50-50. 50% of the responsibility falls on the developers to listen to the community and see okay where are we going wrong here what can we fix what can we develop better what ships are the people really wanting to play you know what ships need to get balanced and and vice versa and this that and the other and then 50 percent falls on the community itself right and sometimes people don't want to take that responsibility where it's like you can put it all on the devs but don't forget that it's the developers that they're not the ones that you're playing against on a daily basis it's other people in the community right and so if you like, let's take, for example, here, if you signed on and played a game and you won or lost a match, regardless of what happened, and all you get is text from people from the enemy team, and it's just really negative, hateful, spiteful trash, right? Uh, your experience of the game would kind of be like, I mean, I love the game, but why am I like, get out of here? Like, you know, and that was like a good majority of your of your matches, you know, they would leave a sour taste in your mouth and you would find a reason to just not play it. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. But if it's the but if it's the other way around and and that's why I'm really enjoying the community so far is where we, we have a match, people are having fun, even though some teams are completely outclassed by others, they're coming at it with a good attitude and they're like, all right, we know we're not going to win against X, Y, or Z team because they're just a bunch of sweaties and they want to win tournaments and I get it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but at least we can have some fun, work on our own flight styles, work on our own development strategies uh, and have some fun. And then after the match, you know, guys come into the chat and say, Hey man, good game. I had fun. I got you there. I got you a dog fun. Oh, yeah. you know, I, I shot you down. So it's, and it's like, that's what you want to promote. Like people who do that, you want to say like, you know what, man, like that's what I want to see more of, right? Like clans like AOD clan who come in, they have such a good attitude about stuff, you know, and they're a great team, man. They're so good, right? It's just that when they fight teams like, aces five or death watch or rmt you know these teams are in my you know in my view are professional teams like they play like i play 10 hours a day because it's also my job like i also stream professionally right so yeah you know it's my career to be good at the game i don't expect someone who's got you know kids at home you know they've got to watch frozen for the sixth time tonight (laughs) you know you know for all my dads out there you know what i'm talking about you know, like to sit down and only have an hour and a half to play with their friends and their and, and their and their kids or whatever, to be able to go toe to toe in a game that really depends on your skill against guys like me. So it's up to us as as their very active ace community to be like, all right, guys, this is what we've learned from sixteen hundred hours of flight. We're gonna condense it down so that you don't have to spend that time to know this stuff. We're just gonna give it to you, and then it'll make them better pilots, right? Mm-hmm. And that it's like skill mining you know what i mean like like strategies that we've proven effective in aces we're just going to give it to the community and be like if you can execute this strategy you're going to win games you know what i mean and it's 
that's the positivity the community needs and is looking for. And that's what's going to keep the game alive, which is going to keep people's eyes on it, which is going to keep copies rolling in, which is going to keep content rolling in. 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. And this this community is such a great area. I feel people who play these really niche games are really accepting that's what I've been really enjoying is stuff like with the Crater Clash and Operation Ace, like the the camaraderie there has been such an absolute blast. Like, oh my gosh, I got you in that that one, that last match we played was super close. And then that next one, you completely demolished us or vice versa. It's just super, super fun that the community that can be brought out if you get over yourself, be like, hey, you're a good pilot. I'm a good pilot. We're both playing this game and having fun like that's the ultimate thing here we're, we're playing games yeah i mean make no mistake uh, i mean we're in it for the wins too but yeah you know it's important because you always have to have a competitive atmosphere but it's the it's the classiness right it's mm-hmm. like how when we were kids like at least for me i can't say for you but for me um i just i'm assuming that you'd have the same experience um you know when i used to play old hockey or or uh, or baseball you know, even if we lost, everyone would line up and we'd shake hands and be like, all right, you know, thanks. You know, we'll see you next time. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and like I always say on stream, it's like you don't have to love losing. Like I don't say you lose. You're like, ah, yeah. everything is fine. <laughs> There's no weeds in the garden. Like everything's great. You know what I mean? That's not what I'm saying. Right. Like, you know, if, if you lose, it's like ah, blast. Right. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's like your response should be all right fair play guys and there's always a next time you know what i mean there's always another tournament there's always another time to fight there's always another time to battle right and if we keep the competition healthy and there are rivalries but the rivalries again are healthy and they're not um, toxic and degrading then we have something that people look at and are like i want to get in on this this looks like fun and if we as a community see that attitude in ourselves and say, no, 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 because I'm human like everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. And even I make mistakes from time to time, like like everybody does, right? And I say things that maybe, oh, I should have said that better. Or maybe I shouldn't have done it like that. Or, you know, maybe I took it a little too far or, or I sent the wrong message because, you know, my emotions were a little high. Because, you know, when you're in a competitive environment, sometimes emotions can get a little high, right? Yeah. You know, if we notice that in ourselves, then it gives permission for others around us to do the same thing. Definitely. And I think with that, it's a great spot to end this episode. Dude, thank you so much. It's been an absolute blast having you on the podcast. You're a great guest. It's been great going over and talking about the community and squadrons. Yeah, man. I, I you know, I, I really enjoyed, you know, the guys telling me to come on the podcast. I thought it was, I, I had a lot of fun. This is my first podcast I've ever done. So it's hey, exciting. Congrats, you know? man. And I'm a, I'm a very big podcasting guy. I watch Joe and Lex and, 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 you know all those folks out there i just i I get addicted to podcasts man i absolutely love it so it's a real honor man i thank you so much right thank you for hopping on and thank you uh rogue red for reaching out and getting this going it's greatly appreciated shout out to my boy red oh yeah (laughs) 